So this isn't actually a, a Pedagodzilla podcast. Mike's just let me use the feed to get these particular recordings out to people. So background, my friend Diane is the head of drama at Logan Park High School in Dunedin. And like uh, a lot of school teachers, is having to teach at a distance for the first time. So in New Zealand, uh, the teachers are swapping ideas and experiences about how to do the whole pivot to online thing. So she asked me some questions uh, uh, she had about her practice, and then we recorded it, and up she uploaded the chat to the Drama New Zealand website for other drama teachers. But although these are mainly about teaching drama, I think the principles we talk about, everything we talk about here, would really apply to any discipline. So I'm sharing them through the Pedagodzilla feed. They're divided into sections because we thought people might want to dip in and out and just listen to the section they want. And the timings to these different sections are in the show notes. So that's the intro. Hope you like it. Pray, and I'm the head of drama at Logan Park High School and um, I'm part of the health and well-being for arts educators group and we, we've been asked to do online teaching and learning and there's everybody's making resources and everybody's suddenly coming out the, the woodwork with all these amazing things and for somebody like me that's very proud that I've got a G site and has just wangled their way through Google Classroom I don't really know what the expectations are about teaching online, what the dangers are, how to navigate this, how to keep myself safe, how to keep my students safe, what the expectations are, how long you spend on it, all of these questions, and I have millions. So I've asked my friend Mark, who is, turns out, a bit of an expert. So Mark, <laughs> can you tell us your proper title and your experience, because this has kind of been, I think, your life's work, and I'm only just clicking what it is. Yeah, well, not entirely, because, I mean, when we knew each other, uh, this was before I started my life's work, so that must have been a previous <laughs> life. So um, I'm, uh, uh, I'm Mark Childs. I'm a lecturer in technology-enabled learning at the Institute for Educational Technology, which is a research department in the Open University for the UK. So the Open University is Europe's biggest distance learning university. It's got like, I don't know, tens of thousands of students. And they've been doing distance learning for 50, 51 years, um, but only online for about the last 20. So I've been studying online education, researching in it, and teaching online for 23 years now. So... Um, but yeah, but I'm 56, so you do the maths. Uh, it's about half my life uh, online. Um, so my PhD is in online collaboration and what enables student, the factors that help students to collaborate online. I um, It was actually I, my project, the, the stuff I was looking at was actually Second Life, uh, which is a virtual world, which is one of the more extreme kind of examples but I've looked at video conferencing and used quite a few of the different platforms and done it most of it's for uh graduates uh undergraduates postgraduates in higher education but I have done some projects working with children in schools and getting them connected and doing 
online and and, te- and technological stuff. So I've got quite a lot of background in it, um, but some bits will be relevant and to our listeners, and some of them won't be. And we'll sort of navigate that as we have our chat. <laughs> and I kind of clicked this morning why, after many years, I finally clicked why it would be useful today for for my students to all get together and perform online because they just can't get to each other. Mm-hmm. And so to have that platform where they all went, sorry, I'm not using the right terms, I might, went into the... Yeah, no, platform is exactly oh. the right word. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> into that virtual world together and played around would actually provide them with a huge amount of joy, I think, that would reintroduce the playfulness that they're probably missing because they're so separated from each other, particularly in drama. So most of the uh, work I've done has been with uh, performing arts because one of the interesting things about, I think, drama is that it tests what the technology can do in a, to a far greater extent than than a lot of other subject areas. I mean, maybe sports might be a bit trickier, but drama is one, one of the ones. And, yeah, we found with Second Life we were designing theatres and students were performing in them. One of the things about a virtual world is that you have a body in there, you have an avatar, and that avatar can then move through space. It can perform to some extent. It's kind of like moving a puppet around. And so, therefore, if you're looking at blocking out scenes, it's perfect. You can do it. You can get a sense of the scale of of theatres and those sorts of things and the different designs of them. So um, it did work to some extent. One of the issues we faced, though, is that about one in four students are completely alienated by the tech, by that sort of technology. Mm-hmm. They don't engage well online. They miss excessively or particularly a lot of the uh, visual cues that you have, the mm-hmm. physicality that they, uh, they inhabit their bodies to a greater extent, maybe. And so, therefore, all of those sorts of mechanisms that they're used to in their face-to-face environment they really feel that the lack severely so i mean i would say that's not that doesn't prevent you from doing it but it does mean that you need to be aware that some students will not take to it and they will need to be convinced convinced that it's still a valid way to to engage with with each other well, one of the things that occurred to me as you were talking was, um, yes, it, for many of us, it lacks that spontaneity. And I would be one of those students that would go, maybe it's not real. But actually, there's something about certainly during the process of developing where you are on stage in relation to other people, where you're breaking it down a little bit and having some thought about awareness of audience, awareness of space, awareness of performance, aware, uh, performers, awareness of self, you know, the four awarenesses that you can actually control that and see those overt performance decisions. So not necessarily for performance, but certainly as an aspect of rehearsal, it would be useful. So that's where I've suddenly gone, oh, okay, that could be useful. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the um, theatre the dramatists and people that did Second Life, I mean, they, obviously it's a self-selected sample because they're the ones who like it. Otherwise, the, the ones who don't like it don't do it. But they were saying that for them, it's just a matter of restaging. So that particularly people that work with site-specific theatre, you're constantly restaging to different sorts of environment, environments, different sorts of contexts. And I think that then if you've got that looking at the process in that sort of way and then just going, I'm just moving to a virtual world now and therefore I'm applying that same process but to a different context, 
then it's not as big a shift. I think if you've only ever worked within a proscenium arch kind of theatre and the same sort of space, and you've always had those same affordances to that space and the same capacities, then um, then it's a bigger shift and it's a bit more difficult. And I think that's a useful metaphor for thinking about moving to online is I'm guessing it, if you've actually switched your teaching environment from one type of learner from one sort of context to another sort of context so you're used to thinking about the different needs of different learners in different contexts about looking for different ways to identify what the learners need and what might be the difficulties in this space and the difficulties in and the advantages of that space then moving to online is just doing that same process keeping those sorts of things in mind protecting students, having compassion for them, making sure they respect each other, making sure that uh, everybody gets a chance that you can dip in when people are struggling. All of those sorts of things are the same principles, the same um, the same uh, abilities you bring to teaching as a teacher when you move on to online. Where you make those mistakes is when you, I think when you really struggle, it's when, when you suddenly drop all of that practice that you've already um, developed because it's a you think it's a completely different environment and all those things carry on through and hopefully that's reassuring. Well, it raises a whole load more questions, which is good. So I'm going to give you a, an example that was running through through my head this morning. I have, um, I'm in a real-time environment. I have uh, 50 minutes and in the class of 25 to 30 students, um, I'm going through and I'm dealing with, and obviously it's group work. And I, I use time a lot. I, I, I often have very short deadlines. So there's a, a sense of urgency about the work. There's also that um, prevention of editing. So you're not editing yourself. You're coming out with the first ideas. You're allowing your spontaneity to develop and, and, and confidence because you don't have time to worry. This is how I work. But I have a particularly needy student who's got to the stage where they know the theory, they know what they need to do, but they just don't want to take the next step. They're scared, they're lacking in confidence, so they will hold on to me as the teacher for as long as possible rather than make that step. In a real-time environment in that classroom, I'm able to say, well, I'm sorry, love, but I've got this, I've got this, you've got 10 minutes, I need to go and see three other groups, blah, 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 I'll come back to you and see where you've got... And so there's that that time pressure on that student to just, you know, and I, and I say, you know, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. And I don't know how that works online. Okay. One, I think one of the things that changes is the amount of speed, the amount of spontaneity that you can actually bring to those sorts of environments. There's issues with lag. There's issues with communication. All of those things are slowed down. And I think if you're somebody that, that gets a buzz off that sort of hectic nature, then I think that's one of the things that needs to be accommodated by that change, that new environment. Um, I think you can have buzzy sorts of interactions and things, uh, but I think they, I, I think it's more difficult. I think you need to structure it more. One of the things we used to do was, this is back in the days of MSN Messenger, so we're talking uh nearly uh, about 15 years ago 2015 <laughs> 16 17 years ago so we do sort of performance things through chat and one of the problems was that some students were just slower at typing 
So if you're using typing as a mechanism for doing that kind of spontaneity mm-hmm. uh, or uh, improv type things, mm-hmm. then you're disadvantaging those students who that aren't as good at typing, aren't as good at uh, that sort of language stuff. Um, so we had to do things like, uh, now, hang on, I've got to use the right term now, in one after the other. That's, is that, that's not in chorus, is it? That's No, canon. Canon. So, yes, that was it. So we started, we, we, we switched to use doing it in canon. And we, because it was a drama thing, we said we need to do these sorts of things in canon. So that was that was how we got around that that process. And again, uh, with uh, doing stuff in video conferencing, you've each you hopefully if you've got a platform that will enable you to put students into breakout groups, then you will have a breakout group of I don't know four or five students here. And then if they're contributing to that space, they do that in Canon and so on. And so therefore, they get that, that sort of experience of allowing each people to contribute. And then if you've got some students that are maybe having a problem with it, they just have a bit more time to engage, a bit more time to respond and use the technology in the way that they need to. Well, that's why um, I always have the groups all over the place, because there's a, a physical lag as you move from, from section mm-hmm. to section, which allows groups time to work on their own. One of the things we're getting or is, for example, um, I've already had my first meeting on Zoom um, because somebody said, oh, download Zoom. We'll meet on Zoom. And then I read about it being malware and it's not great. And I don't want to slag off Zoom because it was a great experience. And then there's also Google Hangouts. And then there's this thing that we're on at the moment, Zencaster, mm-hmm. uh, which I've never even heard of. Um, I, I feel a bit overwhelmed by the platforms and I'm sure my students are probably more capable of, of of grasping this than I am I want to be able to see as many of them on the screen at the same time and for them to see each other um obviously video conferencing I've been told is possibly not the best for reasons of safety um because we're going into people's private spaces, I could be going into a student's bedroom and they are coming into my room. There's a, there's a, there's ethics around that and there's safety around that. And so, yeah, I, I think I've asked about six questions there, haven't I? Yeah, um, I, I, and made a couple of statements and, okay, and I'm going to unpack all of them. <laughs> and also, there was still something about the previous conversation they wanted to say as well. So, yes, this will get, this. This is going to be several conversations, I right. think. So, all the different platforms, you and me both. I mean, you just can't keep track of them all. And I've been doing this for twenty three years, and I'm still getting my ha- my list my head around it. And in fact, I had an email. It's quite relevant. I got it from my boss. Okay, so this is why I'm overwhelmed by the amount of platforms there are. Here's the list. Google Classroom, Google Drive, Google Docs, Facebook, Padlet, WebQuest, Zoom, PowerPoint, Google Hangouts, Teams, OneNote, Microsoft 365, Email, WordClouds, Moodle, Facebook Messenger, Instagram, Screencast-O-Matic, and the UCL Learning Designer. Now, UCL Learning Designer is just a website, as far as I know, but there's 18 there, and I've, I mean, I've used most of them, but I wouldn't know, I wouldn't be able to recall off the top of my head what they're all good for and what they're not good for and those sorts of things. So the fact that anyone's overwhelmed by this amount of choice is perfect, is 
is completely understandable. Um, and I think there's probably more in there. That I mean, I I was using Animal Crossing and experimenting with that, and that just doesn't work. My next one is Lord of the Rings Online and seeing if that works as a meeting space. Um, so, you know, there's, there's all these sorts of things. Um, so you're completely right there. One where I think you might be slightly wrong is the idea that the students are more familiar with them and more okay with them. Oh. I mean, one of the issues we have is this myth of the digital native. Yes. So because the kids are turning up with TikTok or, and they're going TikTok, and you go, oh, I don't want TikToks for or whatever, or, um, you know, they're using uh, or they've come up with something else that you've never heard of. You think, oh, my God, they're so much more au fait with this sort of thing. So true. That's so right. That's exactly how I think. Yeah, but it's not because what they might do is, yeah, they can make their little three minutes, three second cycle on TikTok, or they might, you know, just use this one app over and over again in a very, uh, in a, in a kind of routine way as to support their interactions with other people. But then when you move them from that to to something that you want to use, like Adobe Connect or whatever, then suddenly they're as at sea as anybody else, and also when you're trying to use those things for an educational context, again, it's not necessarily that easy to transfer. So maybe they pick things up a bit more quickly than, than we do, but it, but they, they don't have that ingrained expertise that sometimes it's easy to assume. And so therefore, again, we can stop beating ourselves up about that one as well. In the, the kids get it so much better than I do is no one, there's so much to fact that you can't keep track of it all. And secondly, um, you're not going to look like a complete, you know, uh, a complete loser just because you haven't got the latest thing. One of the things is you wanted to see all the all the all the, your students all yeah. at once. Yeah. The problem with that is bandwidth. Is the more images you've got on the screen, the more it'll crash. So I had a meeting this afternoon with two other people, and we had to drop uh, the use of our video feeds in order to be able to actually carry on because the bandwidth it wasn't handling the bandwidth. Now this is a particular issue at the moment because all of these platforms suddenly everybody's using them, whereas only a fraction of the people used them before, and then none of them can cope. So not only are your students going to be struggling with the bandwidth at their end, the actual servers that are running the software, they're not going to be coping either if you've got all this sort of stuff going on. So you're not going to be able to do that. I think you have to adapt to the fact that you might just be looking at, if you're going around those separate groups four at a time, then fine. But if you're trying to deal with 25 students all on your screen all at once, for a start, you're going to, the the platforms that can support that, you um, might not have other bits of functionality you'd prefer. And secondly, it's just going to crash anyway. So my image of, again, I reference Halo Jones very much at the moment, the Ballad of Halo Jones. For those people who don't know it, you should. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right at the beginning. It's true. Right Right at the beginning, there's that wonderful um, um, visual of all the students um, in a virtual space all at the same time. And I literally, because I have no reference points about what technology can and can't do currently, I fully expected that you were able to do that. I mean, I have been in meetings like that, but it's people connecting from different universities. So they've got decent bandwidth and decent kit at that end. And that's why it worked. And what I'm, I, what I mean is that your students might not have great kit. They might be in places where there isn't good bandwidth. Sometimes you can't do anything about the bandwidth. If you're in a in a really built up area, then there's this um, there's this thing called contention. So what contention is is if you're in say an apartment block, then the cable that's laid to that apartment block 
is limited in the bandwidth it can handle. So if you've got everybody in that apartment block all online all at once, their bandwidth is going to be poor and there's nothing you can do about it. In the, the future, then yes, we will all have uh, infinite, we'll all have massive bandwidth, we'll all have great visuals, we'll all have big screens where we could see 30 people all at once. But we don't, but that technology is only available to certain people at the moment and it's not going to be available to your students. So, yes, yeah, so your platform is probably going to have, if it's the, some of them, enable you to create breakout rooms. So you could bring all your students in for plenary sessions where you're just on audio and then chat, or you might even want to use chat. And then when you're setting them their tasks to go off and do their separate things, then they can do it. In, you can set up breakout rooms and then the students can do that and they can see each other. And then you can walk, dip in and dip out of those breakout rooms to see how things are going on. I was talking to you about the fact that uh, uh, certain schools have banned video conferencing because of the, you know, the safety aspect and mm -hmm. privacy. But I'm wondering if this is a school issue in, in terms of it comes under ordinary discipline and appropriate behaviour. So, for example, it may be that you make the student keep their door open and so that you've always got the possibility of somebody else being able to see in, that you're not literally alone, alone. Um, and I wondered whether that would come under some sort of school discipline that there's an online agreement about acceptable behaviour that's made overt between the schools and the students, um, rather than it being an individual teacher issue. If we're all doing the same thing, then to me that comes under sort of standardised discipline, practice, expectations and behaviour. Is that what you guys do or is that not an issue because you have all the students? One of the things you said about Zoom is G is uh, data protection and I know they're changing their, their um, platform in order to stop feeding uh, data to uh, Facebook uh, and there's a massive dis discussion about which ones are we protected by which ones we aren't and I wouldn't want to make any recommendations of which ones you can trust and which ones you can't I mean one of the things you can do is to protect students as much as possible by teaching them how to lock down where data is, sh is shared I think what's less of a concern is the whole thing about behavior because because just because it's again this thing about moving from one room to another you're not changing those rules you already have rules in place about what is acceptable behavior and what isn't one of the mistakes schools making and they make them particularly in the uk this project i worked on um which uh, across five different european countries the uk was in europe then the four Non-UK countries, they were using social media. They were allowed to talk to their students. They engaged the students online. We had a safe space. It was an enclosed area called Edmodo, yeah. uh, which means that you're not public. You can lock it down. Nobody else can see it. So all the students have only got each other and the teachers that they're interacting with. And even then, the UK schools was going oh, we can't do that, it's social media. So everything that we're asking the students to post to this, to share with their cult, or their other students, the, the, yeah. the school children, this, they were having to pass them on to the teachers and the teachers are uploading them. Now that is, that's not safeguarding students, that's not safeguarding children because that's not giving them the opportunity to learn how to safeguard themselves within these environments. Yeah. If you're not going to use video conferencing in your teaching, your students are going to be going online anyway uh, that's just a, a recipe for disaster, really. So 
they're not actually under any more risk from you as a teacher or from other students in their class by being online. All the teachers are going to be DBS passed anyway. So you don't have to have the door open to make sure the teacher's not going to start doing dodgy stuff because because they shouldn't be doing dodgy stuff anyway. And they could be doing that in a classroom if you're on your own with them in a classroom anyway, in a physical space. And it is a minor issue, but it's something that has to be addressed. And I think you've addressed it really, really well. But there's also, you know, if the student is behaving inappropriately towards the teacher. You just don't have the opportunity to get witnesses or call somebody when you're working from your own home and they're in their own home. So, And so I think you've addressed that really well, that there's already an expectation for what is appropriate behaviour. And if you've got, I presume, if you're videoing, then there's there, there your evidence so i suppose if you're going along with the students make sure you're always recording is that doable? oh well maybe i hadn't thought of that being a problem that the student might go oh you know sir did this or whatever or missed yeah, did that yeah, while yeah. we were doing the video conference so yeah if that's a concern um screen capture and just capture uh, record what what's going on um mm-hmm. and then the school should be paying then for screen capture software but yeah. then of course it's Make sure that doesn't leak. You really have to be careful with data protection because what you don't want is lots of recordings of your students getting loose or getting getting out there and those sorts of things. So again, that's that's something to be careful of. And you would need a data protection policy. The point you made is absolutely spot on, which is I'm not sure if things have changed now, but the last time I worked with schools in this area was their big – well, no, it wasn't schools. It was universities. Their biggest concern is that their university didn't have a policy protecting them as teachers about using social media, using video conferencing. So that meant that they felt more exposed because if anything went wrong in the things that they were choosing to do, they were the ones going to get the can because – the universities hadn't got the institutions hadn't got around to coming up with a policy and unfortunately in the uk the policy is oh you can't do social media at all if you're a teacher you're not allowed to do facebook because the students might see your pictures of you on the beach or something ridiculous i know and so all the teachers are having to go under pseudonyms just to share stuff with their friends it's it's like you know i mean so you've seen you've seen sir in a mankini or something that's not the end of the world yeah, Do you know what I mean? Trigger. It can trigger. I mean, you know, this Goffman. I mean, it's all Goffman, isn't it? Every... Yeah. Goffman is describes the night our lives, and I mean, it's still the truth. And the biggest issue about yeah. social media is that we get to see each other's offstage roles. Yeah. And the thing is that the institutions and our mentality, the mentality of our institutions, hasn't adapted to that idea that now we're seeing each other's offset stage roles, that somehow that undermines our onstage role. And what we need to do as a society is shift from that from that concept of you have to always be on this particular role, this particular identity yeah, yeah, in this particular yeah. way, yeah. otherwise you don't have validity, to accepting that actually within this liminal space, you have this particular role and this identity. And outside of that, you can do what you like. And if you're you know, if you're falling down drunk in the street, then that's your Friday night and it's not going to affect your Monday morning and, it, and nobody should let it affect your Monday morning. Now, that that um, you're referencing Goffman, which is performance in everyday life, isn't it? Performance of self in everyday life, yeah. Performance of self in everyday life. I'm talking about the on stage and the off stage, that we all have that. And one of the things that um, 
you mustn't do if you're in a, any sort of hierarchical or corporate role or any sort of authority role is reveal what's going on in the backstage, um, what's going on behind closed doors kind of thing. Because you're, um, the, the platforms that we're going to be using are in, in many ways more informal because you forget yourself, like you and I chatting away, we've forgotten already that other people are going to be listening to this. There is a danger of becoming, I suppose, too informal. You always have to, re- I suppose, be aware that there is, there is, there is an audience, which is great if you're pitching drama because you should be remembering that anyway. Does that, am I making sense or have I waffled? I hadn't thought of that, that being a tendency to do this sort of stuff more informally when you're in a video conferencing thing, because I've been, you know, it's it's a huge part of my job, and you know that. I mean, I'm not that formal anyway, which is possibly why I've been in out, in and out of work quite a lot for the last twenty years. Um, <laughs> but also because, um, but also because it's a, it, online is as familiar to what as offline for me because of just the, the kind of jobs I've had. So, um, so it, uh, I think um, reflecting on it, that whole metacognitive thing about reflecting on action, discussing with people, talking your way, way through this as practice is really important. It shouldn't let you, it shouldn't make you feel afraid of the technology, but I think it's good to have that at the forefront of forefront of your mind. How am I adapting to this? How is my practice changing because of this? Is this appropriate? Is it inappropriate? And I mean, really, we should be doing that all the time in our face-to-face situations. But I think because as a species, we're more familiar with face-to-face situations because we've been doing it for like a quarter of a million years, and we've only been doing online stuff for a quarter of a century, then it's we don't have those ingrained um, ingrained techniques, ingrained practices. And so therefore, we need to be more conscious of them, I think. I've I've really enjoyed what we've done so far i've really enjoyed this conversation i hope good. <laughs> i hope other people find it useful I, I just want to get something in which is um a kind of different route a different it's one of those points where the conversation could have gone in two different directions and oh. we then went went down one but the other direction i want to pick up on which is you were talking about the students that are particularly needy because they're addressing new practice and those yeah. sorts of things yeah. one of the things you have to do when you're moving to this new environment is give the students chance to adapt to working within this new environment because all the rules are different about collaboration about building trust about actually you don't want them to be trying to work out which button to press or how to get their microphone to working while they're meant to be working on the the the, the teaching that you're doing so um there's a really useful thing called the five stage model by Jilly Salmon and it kind of takes you through those steps. It's not that complicated, but it's have a stage where people are just getting logged on, have a stage where they're getting to socialize and work out how it all works. And then you need to get those in place before you then start doing all the other things. And it's, you know, it's a hierarchy of needs as well, is you need to have that emotional, affective thing all functioning properly before you can then start doing things that are um, that are intellectually challenging because you need to have that emotional security first, and that emotional emotional security only comes from playing with the technology, getting to know how to talk to each other, having fun with it, and then you're ready to start learning with it. And so, if you're moving into an online environment, give it a week of just actually mucking about, and um, 
Maybe a week's too much. But, you know, <laughs> if you're doing geography class, have have the first hour of your geography class for that, for when you're online, of having a play around with it and working out how it all works. And then the next time, then you're ready to actually start teaching geography. And well, with drama, it's possibly a bit longer because it's that much more complicated to do it. Oh, that is, is gold. If you could send through the link to that and I'll put that together with these podcasts and we'll put useful links and references. In fact, there are so many references that you've used, Mark. It would be really helpful to just have a bang, 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 bang list of, you know, reference because there'll be some people who will listen to this who will be way ahead of me and there'll be other people like me that will go yeah okay I've got that bit now I'll deal with that other stuff later when I've got my head around yeah. it. Um, I particularly love that last bit you said I think that's fantastic and really wise uh, really wise and helpful for our students mm-hmm.